Hey, I'm Andy Powell and I'm listening to Two Locks and a Cox. Two Locks and a Cox from Devon's Radio X. Hello and welcome to episode six of Two Locks and a Cox with myself, Chris Bentley, the Michael Parkinson of Rugby Union in Dunstan and the Dame of the Realm, Sarah Cox, MBE. On the pitch, the Chiefs men start with a bang, Rugby World Cup first round and the local rugby roundup off the pitch. After dinner stories from a, an event that myself and Ian attended very recently in the bin, tackle light ambiguity, and we're replacing, we're replacing State of the Nation with a top of the bill interview between British Lion Neil Back and Exmouth's own Ian Dunn. Two locks and a cox. Wow, what a great introduction. You started off almost like story time with Chris, and then you got into some energy at the podcast. I'm loving it. I thought so, yeah. Well, I mean, we are slightly sh- shorn of our of the rose between the two thorns, the dame of the realm. She's obviously off on official royal business at the moment. No, her butler was late picking her up. Oh, was the butler late picking yes. her up? That yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, in okay. a penthouse apartment. Well, what we could do is we could we could bang into the, um, in the bin. We could start in the bin with Tackleite Ambiguity because Coxie being an acolyte of world rugby will not want to be... Um, we could get all the naughty stuff in should we do the naughty first before she's oh, here and then mate. she can't frown at us. How about us disrupting the nation? So let's, should we go, should we go Tackleite Ambiguity? Straight in, yeah. So, Ian, obviously we've had four situations where there's been head-on-head contact in the Rugby World Cup. Everyone's going berserk about it. We should join the the masses that are having a go. What do you reckon? Well, I'm going to take my French side of, of these things, you see, because obviously the World Cup's in France, so a bit of je ne sais quoi, bof, Gallic flair. On peut parler en français si tu veux. Oui. Um, uh, look, it's World Rugby now, isn't it? And are they choosing to see the things they want to see? Of course they are, slightly. Is there... Uh, one of the things I talked with the, the Neil Back interview we just did was about um, consistency, and that's what we don't think we've seen. But it's really difficult for us because we see snapshots afterwards. So we see a freeze frame at just the right time from the perfect angle of f- what we think is face contact. But actually, it may not have been. It may have been a head that went in low and then the head slid up and then it looks yeah, but, but that this way. Is, uh, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I've, it's the optics that we're looking at. We're not actually trying to... If we're, if we're serious about brain health and looking after players, it's play less rugby, do less training, and and be more like the NFL. 13 games of high intensity, and that's your lot. Okay, start with the Curry one. Clear red card. No. Yes. Right, Curry's going in to make a tackle, and everyone's going, look at Elliot Daly, he's got low. That's because Elliot Daly is an outside back who's not used to the confrontation on the gain line that the forwards have to, have to partake in. Curry's got to win that gain line battle. He's got to get in there. He's a little bit clumsy, makes it wrong. There is no one in their right mind is thinking, I want to tackle this person with my face. No. However, he put himself into the landing zone exactly where a player was going to land. Because he wanted Looking to, for the collision. Because he wanted to win the collision. And it was illegal. Because he wanted to win the collision. It was still a red card. But, th- but then look at Jesse Creel. Look at Will Rollins. I, I'm, I'm, this is terrible in me. Tier 2, there was a chap from Chile on a Japanese chap. All exactly... Well, very similar. Head-on-head collision. Now, if we're going to say it's reckless, and that's a, a red card offence because you're reckless... I think we've got a problem. Rugby union is played on the edges. Got six inches lower, it's a cracking tackle. All three of them, or four of them, splatted their face. They didn't mean to do it. There is no intention to splat their face. They got it wrong. And I think it, we've got to start being a little bit sensible. Rugby is a game of collisions. Things are, are dirty. People get hurt. It is. I think the, the the curry one was bad because of how badly his face cut up and how how badly the other guy cut up. So the, so the image that they saw wasn't just a head collision. It was a head collision with a load of claret. But this this is the point that I'm making. It's optics rather than 
uh, were actually trying to solve a problem. Uh, yeah, but uh, all the world's a stage, uh, and that's what people see the drama of it, but they are following the law. If they're following the law, why aren't the other three players sent off? Why aren't they being cited retrospectively? Because the TMO was, I don't know, having a cigarette and the the doing whatever. They've got multitasking. Sarah told us that the other week. Yeah, but we've all, we've, we've all seen it. So the dust has settled. It's all dealt with. Why don't we retrospectively go back and write Jesse Creel, Will Rowlands, your head-on head collision. It's a clumsy tackle. Off you pop. Red card. Because they were, they, they've just said, haven't they? They said, uh, no further sanctions will be placed upon it. Um, you and, just and saw that's the one, lack of consistency. You, you, saw one angle. you and I have got between us 50, 50 odd years of playing rugby, and we're frustrated. The Rugby World Cup is the showpiece for everybody to come in and see the game. And there's loads of floating voters. And they're going, well, hang on, he got sent off last week, he hasn't this week. What's going on with your rules? Well, life's not fair, Chris. I mean, come on, just look at the state of your ears. Um, right. <laughs> let's not go with the ad hominem attacks, right? That <laughs> yeah. doesn't work. We're... Life isn't fair. No, but, but 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 it's world rugby. This is the elite level of the game. We need to have uniformity in decision-making, or as close to it as possible. Well, yeah, where we can, but it's like, it's done with. It's last week, it's history, it's yesterday's chip wrapper. It, it, it's done. Let's just move on to look at uh, next week. We can keep crying over it every week and saying, oh, we got hard done by, this didn't happen, that didn't happen. The fact is that because we, we had another red card, our third red card, although actually it's our first in a World Cup, um, we were down to 14 men and George Ford did Jouet in France. Well, yeah, what I'd like to do is look at the rugby after. We're just picking on the uh, the refereeing decisions. I'm trying to move on from your negativity. Well, it's not negative. This is in the bin. It's the in the bin section. Yes, That's... I know, but it just, it happens. This is here. It's going to move on. So, so it... your attitude is it's a shame the Titanic sank. We never need to talk about it again. It's a shame the Titanic sank and we we built better ships. Right. And so so your attitude is... So it's not happened again and we kept away from icebergs. Okay, so what we have to make sure is this doesn't happen in the next round of fixtures. Exactly that. And you, you know that in the first minute there's going to be head-on-head -head contact. Well, if that happens, then they have to deal with it. And then it'll be 40 men. But hey, England's next games don't really count, do they? No, I think we can all agree on that. We're in this, this pool now, which is a, a pool of, of, of boredom, where we can get over our red cards and have to decide what okay. to play next. Right, we're, 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 we're toying with the format. So we've gone from in the bin, let's go to on the pitch. Let's let's talk about the rugby. And let's, well, to be honest with you, I want to talk about Scotland versus the Springboks because I've had direct messaging from my mate um, over in Saudi Arabia, David Cunningham, who said... All right, Paul, all you do is talk about England, because he's from Scotland. Okay. <laughs> Which Hello, region DC. of Scotland is Hello, that DC. one? Rab Rabsy Nesbitt did, did you see the Scotland-South Africa game? I did, yeah. What do you think? It was fantastic. I, I thought, I, I always should, say... Should um, matey boy have passed to um, Duhan van der Merv when he was clean through? Through the dummy, of course he went for 10 yards. Yeah, of course he should. Give Duhan the outside. But, you know, it's situational, isn't it? I say that any side can play rugby for 30 minutes. I, I've played against some hideous sides that have played good rugby for 30 minutes and then they just capitulate because all of a sudden fitness drops off, concentration drops off and that's almost what happened with Scotland. They had an amazing first half. They went in from the break and then they just came out like a different Mate, team. The scrum at the half when they skittled through Malherb and Kits off and you're thinking, bloody hell, Scotland. Bloody hell, you've got a chance here. Yeah, Muzzer would have been really happy, wouldn't he? Oh, Murray Lowe, yeah, friend of, of the show. Would. Yes. Oh, that rhymes. Well, poet, and I didn't realise. We'll have to get him on. But I... I felt for the, I felt for the Scots. I thought they did really well, and it was just the, the South Africans had that five minute flex where they got their two scores, and it was that was almost elite level rugby, whereby two teams are going toe to toe. Scotland have their opportunity. The pass doesn't go. Duhan doesn't score. Five minutes later, it's the, the the no look kick, and you suddenly you're behind, and, and an elite team at that standard is just shutting you down. 
Yeah, it's head head drop then, wasn't it? From there on, I think so. Just head down, and it's like these are uh, these are professionals, and they should have kept fighting for eighty minutes, and they just seemed to sort of get they, I, they got I, broken a little bit. I, I felt the last fifteen minutes, it felt like the Scots were sort of well, we can't quite win this. It was like we're not going to go for it flat out because we know we've got Ireland, and I still think Scotland are getting out of the group. They could well do. They could well do. I mean, it's a, it's a hideous group, isn't it? But the, the problem for, the, for them. Yeah, but if you look at the, the way the fixtures run, at the end of the pool, it goes Tonga into South Africa into Scotland for Ireland. That's their three fixtures. So do you go, well, we'll go full tilt against Tonga and South Africa, knowing that we're then going to be fatigued going into Scotland? Or do they rest against Tonga, knowing they're going to get their heads kicked in, and then go full tilt against South Africa, Scotland? It's going to be tough for them. And the Irish have a history. I'm quoting the egg chasers. It's, it's going to be tough. I'm fancying Scotland getting out of this pool still. Yeah, this is it, it's really tough for Ireland, isn't it? Because World Cups, they just somehow never perform. And the European Cup finals. 17-point lead. Yeah. <laughs> they can come in and, yeah, train like Tarzan. Okay, other home nations, Wales. Play like Jane. Hey, hang my, on, she's my... finish the off. Oh, no, is it here? She's oh, here. Oh, hang on. Here, oh, here. Why didn't we hear her trumpeteers when they, when they blew the whistles? Well, because the right? butler dropped off around the corner. That's because your going on uh, Coxie, you oh. can't swear on a podcast. Well, maybe she can. I'll beep it out. I oh, will beep it out. <laughs> <laughs> That'll stay in there with it. So, Dave, what we've done You've is... nicked my nice headphones as well. That'll teach me, won't it? Right, so, thanks, Coxie. Just mess with the mics, mess with <laughs> the levels. I don't think anything can teach you. Brad, the rugby god, is battling really hard to get his levels right. So, what we've done oh, I is... can't really hear anything either. What we've... <laughs> oh, God, they hear me. She's going to have someone killed for that. What, what we've done, Coxie, <laughs> is we've already been in the bin and we've dealt with uh, ambiguity of refereeing decisions so you don't have to worry. Well, Roby, don't need to listen in and... and, oh, and I, was ready to, anyway. I was ready to take that one on. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, we can have a bit Have you got a girlfriend over? Your legs look all, like, freshly shaved. <laughs> no, no. I, I went into the England camp yesterday. <laughs> Did you? So you? And they were really out of control, so I thought I'd have to tidy up. <laughs> tidy yourself up yeah. a little wow. bit. Guys. This uh, is real. This is real. This happens. This okay. actually happens in my world. Brilliant. I have to shave my legs. <laughs> When I, mean, I, I referee, I shave my face, and she, we, my wife and I share the razor. And sometimes she shaves. What? It. What? Well, yeah. Is what? that is that really un, insa- insane? That is yeah. unsanitary. It's horrible. Is it? But oh, I, I, I tell you though, to, to be fair, I do I do wear um, wear I do use men's razors. They're better. Than I mean, men's. yeah, men's razors are cheaper than women's. Any woman that uses a woman's razor, if anyone's listening to this, don't buy them. They're like a quid extra, yeah, and they're exactly the same no as need. men's. The moisturising strip just sticks to your bath, yeah. so I don't need it. You know, that's one, one of the hardest jobs in the world is, is in the marketing team for Gillette because they can't keep doing the same thing. They have to keep coming up with something new. So it's like, having lived long enough now, it used to be like, the finest blade, but now three times. Then it's the finest blade, but six times the finest blade. And now they're going back to like three blades, but with a moisturising strip or an exfoliate. So it's the finest blade, three no, times. They vibrate. With an exfoliating strip. They vibrate and one of them That's heats up as well. conversation. Yeah, no, it's not. We've not gone there. Now. We've not gone there. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about a razor. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but nonetheless, could you imagine? It, they've got to keep coming up with something new. Yeah. And a razor just shaves your face. And so the, it's the finest blade, but finest, finest again with more finest blades. Have you ever shaved your legs, Chris? I once upon a time when I, I was having trouble with my ankles, I shaved both my ankles and then thought this is the most ridiculous thing. I'd rather just put tape on and rip the hair out. So I did the same once. I taped, you know, where you tape your knees for mm-hmm. your lifters and you pull it out and it like, oh, it makes yeah. you like smart a little bit. So so I didn't look like weak in the change rooms. I once did slightly trim it and it made it worse. Can, oh, you, no. can you imagine that when you get your legs waxed then? Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe it's terrible. 
Laser. I'd get a laser. But I've actually, because I, because I had a lot of trouble with my right ankle, the hair doesn't really grow back because it was like the badge of honour. All the, all the Mongo forwards would like rip all their tape off and just be like, where's the back? Knowles, he just used to shave his legs. He's got fantastic legs. Hasn't he just? They are anything. unbelievable. Oh, sorry. I'm, Bradley right, Rubin's telling me we're, we're, telling me we're going to get back on topic. Right, so... I'm uh, here now. We've already dealt with um, Scotland, South Africa. We've had a quick look at England, but obviously my adopted country, Wales, a dominant performance over Fiji, never in doubt. That game was magnificently refereed <coughs> and Wales completely deserved a victory that pushes them as pool favourites in Pool D. So you the only one that saw that or did the other Welsh people also have... Slight blinkered. I think. I think if you if you're perfectly honest, if you're perfectly honest, it was a very unfortunate set of circumstances for referee Matthew Carley, but he refereed to the letter of the law. So repeat infringements, and he gave a, a final warning: if you infringe, infringe again, I will give a yellow card. Now he possibly could have gone one earlier with that warning, and it could have been a yellow card, but yep. he didn't. So that's fine. Wales do the magnificent exit, fifty twenty two, win the line out. Line out mall is skittling towards the line, and it stopped. That, that could actually have been a penalty try and a yellow card. So to get away with just the yellow card, the, the Fijians got away lucky. And then the next time Wales infringed, midfield, I think it was Corey, I can't pronounce his name, his Polish name, he gets the sim bin straight away be, because you were on the final warning. The Thank o- you. The only other thing Carly could have done was the next penalty against Wales, he could have given another yellow card. Could you give another yellow card? If you're on a final warning and you give a, and somebody gives the infringement, can you give another yellow card after that yellow card? Yeah, if you Can you just to. keep going? Yeah. So that's the only bit where Carly got it wrong. It's just the situation. Again, we're coming back to optics. The optics look bad. Everybody's yeah. passionate. Everybody got upset. You see, I, like, finally, this is the first piece of sensible conversation that we've had about something from somebody that understands what was happening. Because oh, I, in the moment, I was losing my head and I was thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. But then when, but I, when, when, you look, when you sit and look at it and you go, hang on, the referees are told to execute the laws. Our game has laws, not rules. To the laws of the game, he's done that right. Yeah, and you look at that, you look at that, that mall in isolation. Yeah. In isolation, regardless of what's happened, that's a yellow card every day. Yeah. You've sacked a mall that is a, that's herring towards a line. And you're right, you do have an option to, to go penalty try if you want to. Mm. What I don't agree with now is the 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 volume of abuse that is going around at the moment. Well, because he was born in Wales, even though he's an English referee. Oh, and you've been what, looking at Wikipedia that no, you can edit, have you? Oh, yeah. Wikipedia. And then Dan Leo from the, the Pacific, Pacific Nations has, has kicked off it and said, look at this, he's from Wales. And then someone's gone into his Wikipedia and said, he's more famous for moaning about where referees are from than his rugby playing. <laughs> oh, no, that's absolutely brutal. It's the level of trolling. Stolen we're, we're Back to the plot. And... Coxie, you are, you are on the other side of the fence. I'm, I'm a hugely passionate rugby man. Ian's a hugely passionate rugby man. You're, you're one of the officials. What is it like for the officials? Like when, we can't play rugby without you. No, well, yeah, and, and everybody comes back to this. So when when we want to, we come back to, oh, we can't have the game without you. But we're more than happy to open the doors of abuse at the moment and allow a platform for that to happen. At the end of the day, Matthew's gone out there and executed a job. Now, regardless of whether we think it's this or it's that, at the end of the day, he's there to do a job and he's done that. We're not talking about Fiji dropping the ball twice over the line. Now, one of those, you can argue that they, they got a second chance at it and they, they scored from it. And then we're not also talking about when the ball got dropped on the wing for an open open try. 
Well, yeah, well, but he, he should, no, no, regardless, no, you're not interrupting me on this. You had a lovely, you had a lovely you're simple not, pass. You're not interrupting me on this. What we're talking about is now we've allowed a platform for people to start opening up and throwing abuse about people. You've brought up his nationality and where he's born. What what does that have to do with anything? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, Absolutely nothing. So so no no. If we're gonna go if we're gonna go down routes like that, then we need to pick holes in all the teams that have players from different nationalities, and then also talk about the game and the teams that have players that have swapped from other places. Now, that has absolutely nothing. And to open that door and to see people open that door is ridiculous. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. It's not about truth getting no, in the I way know. of good stories. Coxie, the, thing I, the thing I really find difficult with you, Coxie, is you, you, you're always on the fence. And, you know, this is another <laughs> one. You're not really giving me a truth. Tell us you. what you really think. I, you, you sit you sit here and no, you I'm, look no, at... Jo- no, Coxie, I'm being jovial. Look, and I, I, right, let me, let me you're jump. trying to be jovial. No, no, so I get it. And, and this is, this is, we're actually... One of the things we're witnessing here is, is the, the true... You don't have to go through it, it Chris. Through, uh, you, don't, you don't have to sit there and listen to the abuse. No. The, the volume of questions that I've got over this, over the last few days, is out of this world. Honestly. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you want to do with this? What do you want to do with that? I'm not in that environment. So whatever they do in that environment is up to them. But I turn up to clubs, and I've had it recently over the last couple of weeks, where people's, the first thing that people say to me is, oh, thank God it's you, it's not that other one. Yeah. Right. Then it comes down to, I came off the, the game on the weekend, and the first thing someone says to me is, oh, I thought you were fit enough to do this. It's 30 degree heat. Yes, I'm going to be red in the face. And yes, it was hard work. 75 nil. That's 11 tries. 11 tries by a team that didn't want to play lineups. They threw the damn thing in as quickly as possible. Was that Chiefs? Yeah. So so when people's first comments to you are negative, how on earth are we going to change the narrative away from referees? What is dominating the headlines at the moment? Referee decisions. What's the referee doing? Foul play. What what is not dominating it is the fact that that was a fantastic game of rugby. I said that, Coxie, I started. No, no, but I'm not not talking about you. I'm talking about what is going on out there at the moment. And so why are we not changing these narratives? Why are we not changing the fact that take the referee out of this these are fantastic games of rugby but what I really struggle with is people that are in a position of influence and a position of power taking to platforms to open up the doors for people to abuse other human beings and we know that we've gone through all of these things to say let's be kind to each other let's make sure that we're we're looking after each other but in that same breath we're then opening the door to say okay let's let's allow the floodgates to open and let's all have an opinion on on someone's profession because the world wants villains the world wants to be you know these people get headlines by saying things they know are controversial they don't necessarily believe in them i saw one who slated him which i think is really harsh he said well no the other week i said he was nice i said you can't just say something good about no, someone one is, week no, and then no, your I opinion think, I think it's rugby union and the fact that we're having this conversation and coxie's quite passionate about it, it just shows this is I'm, I'm passionate about it mate but i have to go through it yeah i have to go through it and i have to have people abuse me and just sit there and take it and just say okay well this must well, why, be acceptable. why do you have to take it why don't you push back 
Oh, yeah, but how, how can you push back to, to the thousands and thousands and thousands of things? So pushing back is educating people about the game of rugby. And that has to come from not only the playing, but also the refereeing. Just going through some of those comments that are on there and the headlines that have been hit by people. It's just, why? Don't read it. But but you don't you don't have to read it. But when you're then subsequently off the field getting asked all the time about things, you're like, like it wears thin. It wears thin, and we've just got to change I can see this, this narrative. I'm, I'm, Coxie, I'm going to take you out for lunch after this. It's been a hard few days, my I friend. Just go. That's <laughs> not, not, not too much lunch because she has to referee in this heat, and obviously <laughs> she, she needs to be fit enough for it. So we've got to we've got to go easy on her. Yeah, maybe we'll go to the gym. Honestly, we'll do work out that, together. That double burger last time probably uh, yeah. Made the difference. I get everybody has an opinion, and I get people want opinions and, and things. They like want that. controversy. Yeah, and, controversy. and I, fine. Controversy. I like that. Controversy. Fine. Fine. I get it. But why so are how, we where, not? Where do you? So, because you're 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 taking this, and and I'll be honest, I I was in the moment, I was concerned that Carly I was like, oh, you'd be upset if you were a Fijian, but wh- where do you go to to, to to offload some of this trauma? Because this this is getting your cocks. Exactly, yeah, it, and, it and, is. And, because... and I imagine it's exactly... I mean, I remember Carl Dixon, we spoke about this on a pod recently, um, and, and Carly himself. What what do you guys do? Because you can't just be a sponge and take it all. Do you, do you get together and is there a catharsis that you have? Or... You do You do talk about it in the background, and the, the, the general answer comes back as, well, if you don't want the abuse, just come off social media. Mm-hmm. Why, why do I have to sacrifice that and sacrifice coming off to social media to have a presence for the right reasons because I'm afraid that somebody's going to abuse me and somebody's going to take to a platform to to pull my name through the mud. And it the, the thing that starts to get me, then fine, the keyboard warriors are there, they're always going to be there, and it's Nigel178956 that doesn't yeah. have a profile picture. Mm-hmm. Fine. But it's my what, alter ego. But what, what starts to to sort of get under your skin is when people that you allow into your environment Mm. and specifically, I won't name him, but someone that does number four in for one of the championship clubs starts taking to Twitter and starts talking about referees. Mm. That's when... So it's one of your, one of the gang? One of your own. Okay, he's not a referee, but he does the background stuff. It's like parenting. Parents, we're always going to stick together Mm -hmm. and no matter what what the child does, we're going to make sure that we back each other up because we don't want to show any cracks. Whereas if, if a member of the, the, the refereeing faculty decides to go, oh, that was a shit call. I suppose, it, what, what's your feeling like Nigel Owens that comes on and they all go to Nigel because he's he's the deity of it's referees. Guru. Yeah, Nigel, what <laughs> do you guru. think about that? The fact you haven't been involved in pro rugby for three years now, it doesn't matter. No, look, he's still relevant. Nigel is still relevant and he still has the knowledge and we cannot take that away from him. And the fact that they're doing whistle watch and starting to explain some of these bigger things, I think is a fantastic step forward. And we've but got does, to keep doing that. But does that not that. encourage more people to, to, to have an opinion on the referee? Are we not better to say that the referee's word is law and if he says it's Christmas, I'm singing a carol? No, but he's, he's explaining what that law is. And I think mm. that's the difference. We, we have a very, very complicated set of laws that we operate in a very complicated game that at the moment, a lot of the conversation is around how hard it is for your normal punter just to sit and watch a game of rugby anymore. And we see that in the game, in, in the head contact stuff, in the, the foul play stuff. And that's, that's where that controversy is coming from. The, the, the fact is, if we start educating people on law, 
people start getting a better understanding. Now, do I agree that that's the right process? No. Are we where we are with the laws? Yes. Are they going to change anytime soon? Probably not. So if we can educate people on that, people have got a better understanding. So that might quieten some of the people down that don't get it. I, I can see your demeanour has lifted just by being able to offload this. Therapy. So JP Doyle's now been on ITV. So RFU didn't want him. Um, uh, ITV. That's your opinion. <laughs> well, well, did he we not? all went through that redundancy process. Did you? Yes, oh, okay. we did, yeah. And he was unfortunate yeah. when he did it. Anyway, uh, and now he's on ITV. And I really like it because they go to him and he then can actually talk through the fact of it. And he says, right, well, there was no intent, but he put himself in the landing zone of a player. He was upright. So the card, and they go through the system of it and the system yeah. of the bunker and, and, and how it works. And that's and I, really good. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't necessarily agree with the fact that we start to talk about the nuances of scrums and the minutiae of decisions because you're then into the realms of human beings and what human beings are doing. When you're talking about foul play, I, I think he spoke very, very well about some of that head contact stuff. I think he's demonstrated very, very well about what some of that looks like. So I, I think that that's the way forward. Do we need to fine tune it? Yes, I think we do. Um, but But what my pet peeve is, and, and like I alluded to earlier, is the people on the inside. And there's someone that I got caught wind of and I've screenshotted that you know very, very well. You know well and I know well. That World Rugby have tweeted, if you could insert one player from the, the hashtag Rugby World Cup 2023 um, opposition into your team, who would it be? That person that we all know very well, the referee or TMO. Right. Cheers for that. <laughs> so what are you alluding to? You're alluding to that that well, we're biased. Let's towards. say name and shame. Name I'm and not going to name and shame. Do you know what? I'm not going to name and shame. Is that just a casual, stupid, throwaway comment? Yes, it hurts because you're reading it in that context. No, it's but... a casual, stupid comment, and I agree with that. And I'd have no issue with it if that person wasn't on the inside with us. I know, right. but I say lots That's of stupid things that I'm amazed as they come out of my mouth. I listen to them, and that could just be a comment like that. It's flippant. It doesn't realistically in the grand scheme of things. You look at the the reach that that's got. It's got nothing. It's got nothing as, got as a reach. Twelve Twitter followers, something like that, and yeah. it's got. Yeah, well, mate, an Nigel egg. six seven five four one. You know, it's your alter ego. Your alter ego. Your alter ego. But it's things like that that we allow us as referees. We allow people in on the inside to to come and come and experience some of the things we talk about. Things that are are sensitive, are are are, are close to us. And then you get the people on the inside making comments like that. That feels like it's just a, oh, regardless of who you are, you're not actually a human being because I'm going to go after you lot as robots. We have families. We, some of these lads but this, have, this, have this, kids this, this, and this, this, this podcast is brilliant because it's allowing people to see so much more of you. Because I, like I see Matthew Raynell referee, and I honestly think he's bloody autistic, the way he referees, <laughs> because he's so... He's down, matter of fact. He's so matter of fact. Now, he's a I'm, robot. It appears that now he's speaking, as, but he's speaking in a second language most of the time to the players, yeah. and he you've says, gotta, it, and he says exactly as now. I remember playing in some games, and the referees were so matter of fact, and I was always arsing about and having a laugh, and it was really you go to hey bloody hell you're knackered, but don't talk to me. Like, whoa, whoa, and, and and they're defending their space and making sure they're not being influenced, and I was definitely trying to influence, but but. But having this conversation with you and seeing you more as a 360 person, I hope that the, the, the 10 people listening, mum, dad, Ian's you know, family, we're, we're going to, almost when the dead dogs comes out, like, we're listening from beyond the grave. Um, we, um, we're hopefully adding a bit, a bit more of a human to this. More importantly, Sarah, are you going to call him out, that person, and can we be there when you do it? Yeah. 
you can be there, but I'm not going to do it on here. Okay, right. No, not on here. So but can we? So, can we, so yes. World Cup. Look, we're going to be coming back hopefully over the next few weeks quite regularly to look at World Cup. I think we do need to look at the Exeter Chiefs, 75 nil against Bristol. <laughs> do you know anyone who watched it, Chris? I know, some, who... I know someone who was watching it, but was five yards behind the pace. <laughs> <laughs> the down with the double so cheeseburger. Coxie, oh, Coxie right. Exeter Chiefs go not quite full gun, but with a proper team, they and do. Bristol show no respect for the competition and put a bunch no, of kids no, up. No, I disagree with that. Um, Bristol were stuck in between a rock and a hard place because they had a fixture on a Thursday against the Barbarians. Finance. So there's, uh, regardless of whether it is finance a billionaire or not, owner, but they put on a game. It didn't have a good attendance though, did it? Their game against the Barbarians. No idea, they went honest. full gun against the Barbars, and I saw their stand wasn't that busy. I was quite upset for them. But look, the, but for for whatever reason they've done that, mm. they've done it. I think also, if we go back to your point not so long ago around not putting academy players into community rugby and giving them game time, those were a lot of academy players from both sides. There's your game time. So we can't moan on one side that we don't want them in the community game and no, no, give them I, game I, time. I, no, no, no. It, and give them game time in the community game. And then we set up a league that gives them game time. And now we're saying, well, you're making a mockery of the league. They're not. They're going through and they're working all of this out, as are we, because we've never been in this position before to have professional sides playing against professional sides in two different leagues. So, yeah, there was 75 nil. But I tell you what, Bristol have learned a lot about that. And they, the players that were in there would have learned a lot about what it takes to come up against a full, near enough, full strength Premiership side. Well, this year's full strength because obviously last I, year I, I the really players hope, have all have all left. So I really hope Lewis Pearson stays in the team. I think he's ace. Yeah, I mean the whole side was great, wasn't it? It was great to see all the but, new guys but, come in and but get the fear a run. in Lewis's face when he got given the ball and he had like a twenty yard and, and it was, it was <laughs> a was tight it? end prop chasing across and he he turned on the afterburners. He should get rinsed for that. I tell you what, you should have seen the fear on my face when Bristol intercepted the ball and went hundred meters down on <laughs> 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 thirty degree heats. I lose it, and then I spoke to him afterwards. He said, "I wish I hadn't done that." Yeah. <laughs> right. This lady, this lady, still looked magnificent. Like has he, he got, has he still he got does. the best legs in the game? He's got. He looks very tanned at he the tra- moment. He as shaves well. them He's... legs. He definitely. Well, I don't he think probably, he does. He probably epilates them. Oh wow! He's had them lasered as well. <laughs> yeah, I should imagine. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't say that I went round looking at men's legs that, right. that game. Okay. But um, and he has his shorts tailored a bit shorter. You're too well. busy trying to catch your breath. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. the Chiefs. I mean, there's a lot of people have been quick to to, to line up and say Chiefs aren't going to go well. Your initial impressions from that one. Look, I, th- I think regardless of whether they go well or not, they're they're blooding through some phenomenal players, and mm-hmm. you can see that. And you can see this, they were playing with smiles on their faces, as as at times were were Bristol. Um, and again, the same goes for them as well. Is is that we've got to get these these game times, and we've got to get these kids moving through because if we're not careful, when they leave out the top, we'll have nothing coming through underneath. So I I thought it was regardless of the score, I thought it was a fantastic platform for all of us to learn, including me as well. It was good though the whole week because Trailfinders beat Northampton, didn't they? That, did you that? watch that game? Yeah, I did. That was yeah. a very good yeah, it game. Was a good game of rugby. And that's not and, a full wheeling side. And Coventry beat Saracens. Coventry, yeah. They just beat them. They battered them. Yeah. And, and Saris were not expecting that. But the co- Alex Ray, former Chief Jim Skaysbrook, Will Chudley. There's some there's some good lads um, playing their rugby for Coventry. No, there definitely is. And or coaching. I, and, but I think I think as well, what this what will this, this this sort of competition will do is start. If you can start narrowing some of those scores down, I get it. There's you know there's seventy seventy five points on a on a team is is quite a lot. But if you can start narrowing that down a little bit, 
you all of a sudden get this this wonderful spectacle of rugby that is coming from or it's it's like a paradox that's just smashed itself together and you'll get some really good crowds for for sides like like pirates if you get you know when saracens were down they filled the whole thing up our cornish pirates are going to come up this weekend absolutely all guns blazing because they want to try and be the giant killers and then they'll get battered but, but <laughs> no, I, sorry, I had to jump into that. I, I agree, and I had, a, I had a meeting last in night. I had a meeting with Mark Lambert from the RPA last night. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the alumni network, and he was he dropped into conversation about four times. Prem two, oh, if we get Prem two, if Prem, I think this is this is slowly we're working towards two two it's, leagues. It's probably it's probably a preliminary type of experiment to see if it works uh, because you, you look at what the French do. They've got two very successful leagues. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why you couldn't do the same in, in three this in France. Mm-hmm. Well, well three talk, now. Yeah. Quite you, yeah. We're talking quite a lot. Local rugby. I'll start at the top of the the community game. Plymouth Albion. They lost at Rosslyn Park with a bonus point, but then they won at home against Taunton Titans. Um, <laughs> Titans. <laughs> Taunton Titans with Elvis Tayoni, who is nearly the same age as me and still going strong as a hooker, which is unbelievable. That is some real tongue and power. But the Plymouth are obviously looking half decent at National One. Taunton yet to get their win. Um, but with Tony Yap in at the helm, they'll be doing something. Ian, local roundup. Uh, Exmouth uh, won both their uh, home games. They uh, went up to Matson, which is in Gloucester. Oh, First I've time up there, there for a while. I refereed there, and the last time um, they used, they used to have a big bath. Yeah. Um, the in, back in them days, that was perfectly acceptable for everybody to bath together. Um, Did you get in? Or oh, yeah, they let cozy. me in first. Bath. Did you wear a cozy or did you go it's in no, without? No. It's a bath. Bath, bath, whichever you want. Yeah. Um, no, they let me in before, so they chucked all the players out. So they all had to stand outside. I mean, we, had, we, 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 we played a game against Bedford Athletic with Chiefs in the, cup, in the cup once and they had a female touch judge and she went in the showers just in a uh, swimming costume. Yeah, no, so, so sort of gone of those days off. now. But um, no, no. So they let me in this bath. Yeah. It's the best bath I've ever had. Did you ever? Did you ever go to Bedford? Uh, Bed- not in those Bedford. days. They no, used to, I've they been used to, to just put boiling water in with loads of bubble bath before the game, so the heat had come in your change room. So you'd be a bit pissed off. But then after, honestly, it was like chest deep, and it twenty. Oh, it was a twenty manner. Ace. Bedford now, the the only talking point in Bedford is the, the slope on their pitch. I always used to play when well you, at Bedford. Tony, I enjoyed Bedford. Tony Yap Corner, I think they used to call it when he played there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you go from one corner to the other. Yeah, we, definitely. We used to, our, our strategy when we played Bedford was we, we had to prepare for lots of lineouts because Yappy just bury it in the corner. So back to Matson, which is, yeah, Gloucester yes. side. And last Sorry, time yes. last, last time the Exit played there, the coach had to leave, drop everyone off. The coach barely stopped. All the players The coach keeps moving. Thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, the referee got threatened and all sorts of stuff. I think this time was a lot, was a lot <laughs> we'll better. we go back to my oh, original go, point yeah, that right. I was talking this, about. This was a lot better, and yeah, they, they, they ground out a win. Um, Topsham have been promoted uh, a league. They Marcus Cottler's the captain, good lad. Went really well last year, Topsham. I thought, I'm going to see how they go this year when they yeah. get promoted. And again, they've started out really strong, really well. Yeah. Um, we did State of the Nation with South Moulton. They got a win over Plymouth Argham at home. Uh, Plymouth Argham had a cracking more. They, they kept loading their, their their tries. Some Argham had a line-up that they could drive for fun. But it would appear Moulton did them in the back. So Ben Gatehouse, who we were talking to, he must have done well with his back line. So well done, Ben. Yeah, Withercombe, I think, have done two from two as well. Uh-huh. So that's sort of the, 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 the East Devon massive. Yeah. Don't think Simoth have fared quite so well. Okay. But, uh, you know, they've got a load of good lads and some extra well, Phil Dol- there as well. Well, Phil Dolman, 
Greg Bateman and Kai Horseman. I know Phil Dolman's heavily involved in Sidmouth. He's just climbed Mont Blanc for the loose heads. I know. Oh yeah, I saw that. Good effort from those hey. boys. Do- the the best effort. bit was the clip when they because they had to do Grand Paradiso, mm. so they had to do a mountain <laughs> to prove they could climb the mountain. And Greg Bateman, 130 <laughs> kilos, he got his head round. I've got to get Mont Blanc. And then when they got there, the, the, the guide said, "Right, guys, we're going to go up this mountain first to make sure you can do the next one." <laughs> Greg supposedly was broken biscuits before they even started. <laughs> And then they did the first one and they do this video, they're panning around and Dolman goes, lads, we've got to get back down now. And you can, oh. you can see the realisation of the, the enormity of their task. If anyone is, like, look for, for Greg Bateman, Kai Horseman, Phil Dolman, they've done something ma- magical. They've gone over 8,000 metres escalation in like three days climbing mountains. They've done it all for loose heads, mental health and rugby union. Do look them up. If you feel like you want to donate, do so. If not, just send them goodwill because that's a genuine challenge. Boys have worked hard. And they're all nice lads. They are good lads. Well, Kai Horseman, you know. They are good lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, were, we would normally do State of the Nation, but we've got Ian's magnificent interview with Neil back coming up. And then we're into Rob Kitson, our man on the ground at the Rugby World Cup. Neil, welcome to uh, to to the Two Locks and a Cox uh, podcast. So I've, I've got here your your bio, which came off of the Leicester site, which says a dynamo in the back row, a noted link man between attack and the defence, an expert at the breakdown, you won every available uh, honour to all Leicester, Leicester Tigers uh, and England. Score, score of a phenomenal 125 tries, 339 appearances, uh, five league titles, back-to-back Heineken Cups, 66 caps for England, uh, three as captain and a World Cup w- winner in 03. How does that sound to you? Four as captain. I'm the only forward to ever drop a goal for England. Well, funny you, s- funny you say that. Do you know what? That's very next here. Because obviously <laughs> we're, we're fresh uh, fresh from a win against Argentina that had three drop goals in the first half. Um, yeah. uh, now, uh, forwards don't kick the ball, do they? But you're yeah. a back in the forwards. So as a back in the forwards, you're allowed to kick the ball and you kicked a drop goal in 2000 against Italy. Which is, is that where Johnny got this um, uh, inspiration from with his World Cup kick? Uh, well, actually, I got my inspiration from Johnny because we all, all the players did their individual personal development um, after the game. And when I'd finished, I'd normally used to catch the balls and, and knock them between the poles back to Johnny. Um, so he didn't have to collect the balls. And, and at that time, we built... Um, you know, we wanted to score tries, obviously. If people, like, flouted the laws, we'd got a penalty, we'd kick between the poles, or, or we'd, we'd kick a drop goal. So we wanted to build a score, three six nine. the opposition had to score twice. So that's where it come from. And in that game, we were, against Italy, we were being lateral, we are going back and forwards. So it just come to me, and I thought, I'll just drop a goal. Um, I got <laughs> lambasted by the um, Italian president after the game because he, he took offence that a back rower dropped a goal. Um, but it, it it was a thing of beauty. And I was just showing that it's not that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, as a forward and as a second row, I, I don't think I've ever kicked the ball only accidentally. So uh, I'll just have to take yeah. your advice on that one. But the, the clip did come up on, uh, on YouTube this morning and I did watch it. And you were very casual. Very, very casual. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm joking. It, it's a great skill. And, and what uh, Johnny did in 2003, the World Cup, uh, particularly in the semi-final against France, when he kicked three drop goals and five penalties for George Ford, um, having lost Tom Curry after three minutes, to step back on the 50-metre line 
and kick a first of three drop goals and go on to kick six penalties uh, was an amazing performance um, and has galvanised the England team and the supporters. And now there's a true belief we can go on and potentially achieve something very special again. And, and hopefully we're going to see that, aren't we? Because, you know, we're looking through the World Cup. It's now 20 years since 2003 and uh, you lifted that uh, that amazing cup up in the air. But actually, World Cups, we haven't performed that badly. Uh, and no. we, we may have underperformed in the Six Nations and those things. Do you think we could be up for one of those those other great years like 07 and like the worst, last World Cup in Japan when we're there right at the end? Yeah, well, look, England have been in four World Cups with final. We've only won one. Um, you know, 2007, you know, having got battered in the pool stages against South Africa, we could and should have probably won that game, albeit for Mark Quetto not being able to dance down the touchline and his foot was a judge to go out. But, you know, we're always there and thereabouts, really. Um, and this England team, um, to, to be honest with you, going into the tournament, there was no expectations because the form was poor. Um, nine games under Borthwick, we've won three. We've conceded 30 tries. We've scored only six. So we weren't in great form. But what a World Cup gives you is an opportunity to have at least six to eight weeks together pre-tournament. So you are at your very best physically, tactically and mentally before a World Cup. And that showed um, under extreme pressure, like I said, losing uh, Curry after four, uh, three or four minutes. Um, what George did warranted man of the match performance has give the English players and fans great belief and that and that's great i mean we're a little bit gutted down here in the uh, in the west country that we we have no extra chiefs in the side now uh some of the great ones departed off to france following yeah. their checkbooks um yeah. uh, and our only sort of real eligible player henry slade uh, didn't quite in, fit in with uh, you know steve borthwick's vision of uh, of england do you think that that they're an amazing group of individuals that haven't yet had synergy as a team and that the, the time together, the longer it goes. And this is really helped by a very, very strong Leicester presence that have been coached by a Leicester coach who knows their system and then the addition of the Saris boys and then the other people that he's brought in there. Uh, well, Steve Borthwick has obviously been in charge 10 games now, so he's won four from 10. Um, the stats aren't don't look great, but, you know, in... In World Cups, it's about winning. It doesn't matter how ugly they are. Um, it's about finding a way to win and adapting. I think um, through lots of criticism and this period of time, this extended period of time they've had together, they really look into each other's eyes and they have planned a way how they are going to get from this position of winning one third of their games to winning seven games on the bounce. So that's a huge jump and they've had to plan that meticulously and they've all had to buy into that. And I think they've took collective ownership of that. So we're early days. It was a great win against a, a very good Argentina team that played woefully on the day. They are hugely disappointed on their performance. So, you know, their next game will be interesting 
when they rock out. Uh, but, you know, England should now reach the knockout stage of the quarterfinal. And then because of the, the draw system, we, we have without question got the easier side of the draw. So I quite, I, I expect England to get to a semi-final at least. Um, anything other than that, I think would be a bit of a failure. Um, and then it, it'd be interesting to see what happens going forward with the England management. Yeah, I mean, our, our pool becomes a little bit boring now, doesn't it? With, with with our sort of run through with the other teams that we've got to play. And there's no really exciting games this week. They're, they're sort of coming as the, the other pools clash and... Uh, uh, and we get those bigger games to watch. What do you think about the, or the or these red cards? You know, you played it a bit. Sarah Cox, MBE, our dame here, who does it with us, the the the, the referee. She yeah. um uh, she calls Chris and myself dinosaurs um uh, because of sort of you know the way that uh, that we look at the game. And um, we're obviously now another another red card. He's got another two weeks. You you played the the game in an era where you know a strong image of you in my head is you in an England shirt with claret pouring down your face because you used to use. That that to stop people and had the ability to maybe educate the other side if they did something that you didn't like. Now, you can't do that anymore. Um, uh, are we the, the red card? Do you, do you like the bunker system? Do you think we play better with 14 men when we've got our back against the wall? I, I, I do like the system now because all the change of laws have been brought in place to make the game a safer game without question. So if the players can't adapt, then that's their fault. Like Farrell and, you know, in that example of Tom Curry, haven't adapted to the law. So it's quite simple. That was a red card offence, right, to the letter of the law. OK, what's disappointing that similar incidents have happened and they haven't received the same punishment. That's where the issues lie. That there's not consistency. Consistency is the key, isn't it? That's the word yeah, that we're looking no, for 100%. across it. So, look, I'm going to say it openly. You know, Farrell's decision was a red card to the letter of the law. He's had plenty of time to change his autonomous action defensively. He went in high, and you're in danger of making head contact. That's a red card. So, and it's the same with Tom Curry, whether the player's gone up in the air, he knows he's going to land, right? So when he lands, he's got an imposition to make contact him. He's got to start dipping and wrapping so he doesn't make contact with the head. Running upright into someone who's catching the ball that you know he's going to, because of gravity, he's going to land on the ground and you go head to head. It's a red card. So there's no, no debate. It's just, as I've said, it's a disappointment with the inconsistency, but that, that's another challenge. You've got to overcome that. Yeah, you've, you've got all the different countries sort of with the different referees and the way they look at it. And that's the hard with the North Hemisphere, the Southern Hemisphere, all trying yeah. to match each other. Um, the law I say is that, that that really kicked in a few years ago. We used to see people wiped out in the air all the time. Now, if someone's in the air, you just get out of the way. You let them come to the ground. We used to get people clattering underneath them and all sorts. And now we hardly ever see a card for it because players know... Yeah. If there's a man in the air, you don't get near them. Right. The, the best team and the best players in rugby and other sports understand the laws and they adapt so they don't get penalised. It's not It's not difficult, right? The players need to adapt to the laws now. It's like, you know, you look back at 
you know, European Cup finals when, you know, a player knocked the ball out of the hand and people said, oh, if you had a TMO, you wouldn't do that. No, wouldn't do that because there's a TMO. But there wasn't a TMO. But now they're looking at things differently. The laws are different. So you've got to adapt to the laws. Simple as that. Yeah, and they're the, doing it for the right reasons. The TMO, we talk about this all the time because Sarah actually has to TMO occasionally. And she said it's yeah. all down to the director. And it was a real thing that we learned. The TV director sometimes won't show you the angles you want to see. So you're trying yeah, to well, see something and, and they're reviewing one and something else happens. She said, honestly, it's one of the most high pressure, intense things. Personally, I think the TMO can ruin a game. Yeah. To be honest with you, uh, yeah, the, the TMO, what, what we need to see there is um, people that truly understand the game um, because a lot of it is um, intent and technique and sometimes you've got to have a bit of empathy with the game and understand why. Uh, I don't think that human element is there. Um but we, we all know that, so we've got to deal with it. And we know how losing a player to a red card affects the team performance. I mean, what, England, England at the weekend. England playing better. 70, well, it, it, do you know what? It galvanised the team. Um, should you need someone to be sent off to galvanise the team? I don't think so, but it definitely galvanised England. And it gave them absolute clarity what they needed to do because they... You know, you're pointless running endless against more men because they've, they've got more men. So you've got to find another way. When you step back into the pocket and you're able to kick it over from 50 metres, there's no chance of a defender getting to you to charge it down. If you can get it through the sticks, that's three, six, nine. They have to score twice. So they're up and away. Neil, thanks so much for your time. Great to have you on uh, Two Locks and a Cox. Uh, thanks for answering those questions all, all completely openly. And it's great to see someone who's so abrasive in their game can adapt to this modern rugby that's going on and uh, not Chris Bentley, the dinosaur, who says the risk is the reward. And we're now live with our man on the ground on French soil, Mr. Rob Kitson, chief rugby writer for The Guardian and also author of Around the World in 80 Minutes, a magnificent book. And we'll announce the winner of that from our competition in a moment. But if you haven't got it, Search for Around the World in 80 Minutes, one hell of a book. Have to give him those plugs because that's how we managed to get such a luminary of the game. Rob, what's the environment like in France at the moment? How's things going? Well, it's lovely to be here, I must say. Um, you'd like the weather, I think. A uh, little bit warm down down south, but uh, lovely lovely up here. Um, I, I, it's been great uh, in many ways. I mean, the, I, I, we all love World Cups, don't we? And they start with a bit of a bang. I, I thought a couple of those games were, you know, that Fiji game. In terms of drama, was was extraordinary, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, a couple of sides obviously have, have made a bit of an impression. But yeah, you can't avoid obviously the <laughs> the less the less uh, interesting bits. I was caught up in various crushes in Marseille and uh, in tube stations and things, which didn't really make the, the papers. So no, that there's uh, there's been a bit going on, but plenty to discuss, I'd say. Well, the, the, so, well, we'll start off the field. So the, the some of the infrastructure I, I've read about Marseille was it a bit ropey at times? Well, it's one of those I had uh, sort of family members in that in that uh, sort of crush at the stadium which you might have seen the pictures of which i think was just you know to be honest they 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 were slow off the market in terms of they didn't let people into the stadium quickly enough and i think i think they were lucky that didn't you know escalate i, I the following day actually i was in the tube station south, uh, south africa scotland game and they had you know they had a lot of uh, people stuck in the in the in the metro interchange if you like we have to change tubes to get to the ground 
and it was uh, i've got to say not great and a lot of people you can yeah, I was one of them. We had to leave the, the, the metro and get up above ground and get out of the crush and, and walk whatever it was, a couple of miles and 35 degree heat to the ground, which, as you rightly said, was good for me. Yes. Uh, but it wasn't ideal. So, Rob, let's let's. what's been the attitude of the French press and for you guys on the ground with um, the, the, the... Everyone's saying we shouldn't talk about it, but we've got to talk about it. We're two locks and a cox. The head knocks and the decisions from the referees that one man gets uh, too much ban, the other fellas are free to play. I, I think it's no question. It's a it's a talking point across the board. Whether you're a referee, whether you're a, a player, whether you're a, a journo, whether you're a fan, you know. And I think I think the problem is, and you'll have discussed this at length, and uh, <laughs> will be far more erudite than me. But I think the, the, the issue is that the margins of error, if you like, are too are too narrow. So you you can be you know essentially legal, but one little misjudgment, and and you're in the wrong place in the wrong headspace. Uh, I, I think it probably accelerates the day where they have to uh, lower that tackle height in the elite game, as they've obviously done in the national in national one at the and, and below. Obviously, um, I think I think that'll come after the World Cup, but it, it's not gonna it's not gonna go away in this World Cup if we continue to have as many cards and many instances as we've had so far. Have you have you had a chance to take in some of the ambiance of Marseille? Because it's a beautiful city. I remember going there in 2007, England, Australia, and then the next day watched South Africa, Fiji, because Wales didn't make the World Cup and yeah, had a few fantastic days there. Yeah, I, I, I asked around and they said they still remembered you from, um, from back then. They, <laughs> they were, they, they were, um, Le Grand you know, they asked after very tenderly, actually, some of them. Um, and anyway, I, I, I passed on your, your regards. No, it's wonderful, I have to say. I, I was also there back in 2007 and it's and it's it's unchanged you, you discover I, I i think about marseille there's lots of little bits that we never quite see i think the longer you're there the more certainly for us you appreciate it we were very lucky for once in our lives billeted in a it, it's not normally a hotel it was a sort of biggish house that sort of opened up its doors for the world cup and you opened the door into a sort of another another world somehow well itv were in there which, which must mean that you squish uh, so that was quite yeah, fun. The, the, um, but no, down down on the down on the the old port and up behind in the old town. Uh, you, you don't even have to go to the sea in Marseille to be slightly swept away by it. So no, it was a, and the stadium is great. It's just a chain, as I say, one or two TV problems. But no, the ambiance, I have to say, great. I, I want to jump into the logistics. At the press court, are you all travelling together within the same hotels or jeets or wherever it may be, or are you separate freestyling as you go? I think probably uh, different pods, I'd say. So we're we're sort of you know similar, but not all yeah, identical. You're, you're so like you're like I, the, I, you're the grand hack. So if you've got like <laughs> Stephen Jones, Stuart Barnes, and are you like walking around like the mafia? Like, do you know who we are? Well, you've got to take the broader view. I think I, I, I don't think I can send Stevie in the two K uh, with a, with a World Cup going on in the rest of France. So no, I think you, I think you've got to um, you know as I say. Uh, I wouldn't just say that I'm moving around in any sort of exalted circles, but it is. Uh, it, it, I think it's important to see more than one uh, dimension of the World Cup, which is why. So we're in the 2K still today. We just spoke to Kevin Sinfield um, and uh, Ollie Chesham and Joe Marler, and then uh, tomorrow we're back down to Nice, which is uh, which would be great. So no, it's a, it is a bit of a rolling caravan, but I, I think it's exciting. I just hope that the rugby is exciting. We're talking more about the rugby, more about the ambience, and less about cars. I had friends over there and their, their biggest travesty, they were talking about how great the games were and how the fan zones were amazing and they, they said they ran out of beer and that was the only, the only real thing they That's mentioned. such an English thing, me, isn't it? Yeah, they were quite distraught. Completely. I mean, I, 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 I don't think you can run out of beer and I don't, don't think you can mess up the anthems. I think they're a pretty 
you know, you, it's oh, yeah, pretty hard to get They're an interesting wrong. concept. Have you seen what they? they've done? They've now they've now said that the the, the, the home un, the unions can decide whether they want to have the children's choir sing or they're going to have the pre-recorded. Really? So basically, you can you can stamp on the dreams of children, or you can oh. you can have an anthem that you're proud of. And, and the, the union makes the decision. I do think it's quite interesting, actually. You know, that first that France and New Zealand, it was unbelievably loud in the in the stadium. Nobody did understand what, what was singing, who was singing what, but it was very loud. And I think on the TV, they turned the sound down or they didn't have the right mix in or whatever. So I think some people back home have been saying, oh, it doesn't look very exciting in the grounds. Trust me. It is actually oh, the, you know, so in the stadium, it's good. The Out of the stadium, it's terrible. It was it was dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you you mentioned you were in the England camp. Going into this England lost to Fiji, they're not getting out of the pool. All of a sudden, they've battered Argentina, and now they're favourites probably to make it to the semis. How, how's the mood in the England camp? Well, I'd say it's, uh, it's a lot chirpier than it was uh, about a week ago. Um, a lot less tense. I think, yeah, as we all know, uh, result one result, one piece of result, uh, that's the wall result, as, as this one was. You know, gives you that little bit of confidence that, that what you're doing isn't a complete... Uh, <laughs> Wasn't a complete red herring or, or 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 going down a blind alley. I think the I think what's interesting. We spoke to um, the conditioning coach uh, Alan Alan Walkins yesterday, and he was uh, very interesting and, and talking about how much you know, extra work they were doing in August. I mean, we shouldn't be too much into the warm up form. And yeah, to be honest, you look at how they played in adversity on Saturday and think, well, maybe he's got a point. Yeah, it's it's very much like Eddie Jones has Borthwick just been doing rope a dope all through all through his prep, and now he's he's actually unleashed the guns and. The big question now is what's going to happen when Owen Farrell comes back? Because you can't drop forward, can you? No. I think I think that is the question. We've still got another few days. Obviously, can't play against Japan, so we've got another few days before we uh, get to that um, <laughs> Rubicon or whatever you want to call it. But I think, yeah, I, I mean, you, at the moment, forward actually, it's amazing how the England team looks and feels different when he's in charge on his own, and it shows you the strength of Owen's personality, maybe. And also, you know, they're not they're not the same player. You know, sometimes we love them together, Ford and Farrell. They're not they're different players with different strengths. More more creativity, isn't it? I mean, to watch three drop goals was just magnificent. Do you know with the bit that I enjoyed the most when they did the um, ITV coverage at the end of it, and Johnny Wilkinson was one of the pundits, and the presenter turns to him and said, "I wonder who taught him that." And there's Wilkinson's smug face. Neil back. <laughs> it was Neil back taught it. <laughs> Neil back taught him. He told me just now in the interview. Yeah, yeah I bet he did. Two thousand. Neil back drop goal against Italy. That's where all that inspiration came from. <laughs> well, Fabulous. Did you kick a lot of drop goals in your career, Peter? Uh, I'll be honest with you, Rob, I did not kick a single drop goal. Although what I did do once was I actually stopped somebody kicking a penalty because I got lifted under the posts and caught the ball against Manchester for Oral. Oh, wow. And they, they outlawed it. You weren't allowed to do yeah, it. Yeah, you're not allowed to anymore. You stopped the ball a few times with your face as well. Yeah, that's true. And then in the same game, a bloke called Richard Bradford, Bradshaw from Manchester tried to do it. We had a really long-range penalty. He, no he went up with the pod, got the ball, knocked it on. We had a scrum five, pushed him over. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Although Bradley had the last result because he stamped all over my back and I got some magnificent scars from it. True story. Uh, Rob, we, I'll tell you what we can do. Brad the rugby god, we've got the winner of the competition as well, so Rob can hear who the winner was. Is that, have we got that, Rob? Brad, we'll just use our magic of radio technician, Steve Hole. Steve Hole, you have won the copy of Around the World in 80 Minutes. Brad, does he have to come and collect it or do we drop no, it to we'll, him? We'll take it to him. We will drop it to you. Steve, congratulations, you've won a signed copy of Around the World in 80 Minutes. Well done. There you go. So you've, you've 
competition winner, Rob. How, any messages for Steve while uh, he's listening in? No, brilliant. Well done, Steve, and um, good luck. I hope you can get... Uh, your pictures are very good. I, I don't know about the words. But yeah, that was luck. my favourite bit. I, I enjoyed reading the picture section quite a lot. <laughs> reading the picture section. Reading? Reading, not oh, reading. Sorry, I got Rob and Steve mixed up, but let's leave it that. Right, Rob Kitson, thank you so much. Round of applause for Mr Rob Kitson. Yeah, good luck, everybody. Thanks a lot. Well, that was Rob Kitson, and we've always had Neil back. It's all going well. The one thing that we did promise was um, the sporting dinner that took place last Wednesday. Kelly Brown and Andy Powell, who's given us a little voice message we might get at some point from Brad the Rugby God. Ian, you were there. How did you enjoy that? Oh, it was fantastic. What a vast difference. Well, Kelly Brown and Andy Powell. Kelly Brown, the consummate professional. Um, had some great chats, great stories. Andy Powell held everyone on the edge of their seats with his stories about the golf buggy, about everything else. But was <laughs> was was just a bit crazy. Yeah, and and and, and um, also we had a bit of an entertaining end to it all. So both the guys stayed at my house afterwards. Kelly Brown was a model pro, um, took the keys to my to my new house uh, and the postcode. I'd only just moved into my new house a week before, haven't met my neighbours yet. The postcode for my house also includes my next-door neighbour, oh, no. who is off-the-grid hippie, Stig, dreadlock hair, facial piercings and everything. Kelly Brown rocks up, goes into his caravan and says, uh, do you know Chris Bentley? No, never heard of him, don't know who he is. So he's then trying to ring me desperately. I'm still at the do. And Kelly's texting me, Chris, I'm stuck in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Which says my... more about where you've moved yes. Yes. than actually yes. Kelly yes. He's, yes. In his kilt. he's in his kilt with my off-grid neighbours oh, yeah, who, yeah. who, are, who are sort of getting a bit high and chilling out. So I eventually say, oh, mate, we're just down the road. It's 10, meter, 10, 10 metres down the road. But we share a courtyard with another house. So he decides the other house is my house. So he tries to break oh, into that. No. So the next morning, I'm going around apologising to all my neighbours because this six foot five Scotsman in a kilt's like buzzing around all their gardens. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy Powell was still at the venue. Andy Powell, so he left his jacket. Drinking some scoops. He left his jacket at the venue, and then when I took him to the train in the morning, he realised he'd left his shoes, his mobile phone charger, and his train tickets at my house. So wow. he's living his best life, his old Andy Powell. He's, he? he's, I'm, I'm a big fan of rugby players that enjoy the old school rugby, and Powell-y, Powell-y very much Sounds enjoys like the Sounds like he does, yeah. Although Kelly was ace, and I've now got a new nickname, uh, Budget Bentos or Pound Shop Bentos. Yeah. <laughs> Budget Bentos, oh, yeah, honestly, 100%. So the original Bentos was... Uh... Uh, I, st- I started at Kelly, it's welcome, and, and you know, World Cup preview, how are we doing? No, 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 I'm not answering your question. There's only one Bentos in my book, and he played for the British Lions, and it wasn't you. You're a Budget Bentos. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, in every facet as well. Oh, we, Every we, facet. And then he went, he went or PLB, Poundland Bentos. Oh, <laughs> like, no, budget he, Bentos. He bentos on Wish. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris has honestly sat there on his chair and he was trying really hard, but I did see a couple of little flickers that, oh, that mate, hurt you. I just got my new, I'd, I'd got this brand new jacket tailored. I looked the nuts. Oh, I thought I was amazing. So and I had, I had my mates, you know, Kelly and Andy staying at my house, the power And then they just take the legs from under you. Li- he literally, I'm not answering that question. Do you see this lad here? Pound shop bentos. 170 the people all in dinner off. jackets. Absolutely I had, wetting I had, themselves. I had five reminders the next morning. So, Coxie, if you want to take abuse, just come, come, come and do oh, broad shoulders here. I just take it all on. That's Cheers, BB. Yeah. The wish, <laughs> the wish version of Ben. Yeah. So anyway, guys, um, that was our final bit from Two Locks and the Cox, episode six. I hope you've enjoyed listening. We'll be back again very soon, coming in your ears with the finest rugby union chat with a lint to the southwest. Ian, anything else you'd like to say? We've had a great time, and thanks from me and Dunstan, Sarah Cox, and from Budget Bentos. Two Locks and a Cox. Hey, I'm Andy Powell, and I'm listening to Two Locks and a cock.